To all listeners, please be advised that this episode of Pineapple Radio contains sensitive information regarding disordered eating. Today's episode is brought to you by Caviar, an easy way to order meals from the best local restaurants across the U.S. Full service radio. Full service radio. Full service. Full service. Full service. Full service radio. Hi there. You're listening to Pineapple Radio on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan in Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Atara, and I am the co-founder of Pineapple, which, as you probably know by now if you've been listening to the podcast, we are a community of over 70,000 women across the country who love food. So what we do at Pineapple is a few a few things. One is that we have events across the country in D.C., New York, and San Francisco that celebrate a woman's style, identity, and values through food. The other thing we do is we have a ton of really great digital content um, that does the same thing, really uh, dives into all of the women that we admire in the world of food. So we have this podcast, of course, Pineapple Radio, which you can access through your Apple uh, app or any app that accepts podcasts. And we release shows bi-weekly. And then we also have a blog called Pine for Pantry, where we peek into the kitchens of women we admire, which is a lot of fun. And then lastly, we have a weekly newsletter that we circulate um, that is basically a repository for all things women and food. So it's our roundup of all of the things we pine for or we love or have been paying attention to. It's awesome. I can't recommend it highly enough. It's free. And you can sign up very easily by going to pineapplecollaborative.com slash join. So today on our show, we are going to be talking all about a topic that has been very important to me in the past few months and really inspiring to me. I've mentioned it on the show before, but we're going to be talking all about body positivity, which is the movement for acceptance and respect of all bodies, especially marginalized ones. Um, You know, since I was a little girl, from the moment I stepped into the kitchen, really, with my mom and started started cooking, um, I've been really obsessed with food. And for better or for worse, food really has been just that. It's been an obsession. Um, You know, my relationship with food hasn't always been positive. Um, It, thank God, you know, has... I've, I've really evolved on this journey, but I definitely have struggled in the past with restrictive eating, over-exercising, um, and over-analyzing my food choices. So when I learned about body positivity, I really learned that as women, it's a very dangerous thing to connect our own worth to the weight that we see on our scale. And that's a very dangerous thing for society and for our development and evolution as women. So I'm really excited to chat with our guests today who are here in the studio with us, and we have a lot to talk about and cover. Uh, First, we have Ivy Felicia. Hi, Ivy. Hi. Thank you for 
inviting me to be a part of this. I'm excited. Thank you so much <laughs> for being here. Um, so Ivy is a certified holistic wellness and body image coach. She has over five years of experience and service, um, and she's a passionate public advocate for fat acceptance and body diversity. She's known as the body relationship coach because she helps people of all body types develop the tools to find peace with their bodies through weight neutral, holistic wellness and radical self-love. So much to talk about with you, Ivy, and we're really excited to have you here. Thank you. And next, we have Petrilli Hernandez in the studio. Petrilli is a nutrition specialist who, like us, is incredibly passionate about food and has made it her life's work. She has over 12 years of experience with a background in culinary arts, food anthropology, and nutrition education. She's worked in the restaurant industry, um, and after working in restaurants, she redirected her love of food to addressing food insecurity. And since then, she's been a community organizer, she's been in advocacy, policy making, and most recently has really adopted the body positive, positivity movement um, in her work as a nutritionist. Thank you for being here, Petrilli. Thank you so much uh, for inviting me. I'm super excited uh, to be able to have this conversation um, in conjunction with Ivy and you, Atara. So I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks. We are too. Um, you know, we talk a lot about what it means to be a woman who loves food, and that relationship is sometimes a little bit complicated. So. Without further ado, we're going to dive right into our questions. Um, can each of you please tell us a little bit about yourself and your food journey and what brought you here? Ivy. <laughs> um, as you said, I'm Ivy, the body relationship coach, and I help women who are experiencing anger, pain, frustration, guilt, negative emotions around their relationship with their body. And um, I help them find tools to make peace with their body through weight neutral holistic wellness and self-care and that came from it was birthed from my own relationship with my body just like you mentioned earlier I spent most of my life at war with my body and food was definitely one of those things that I use um, in that war unfortunately until I learned about making peace with my body and body acceptance and so now I'm really passionate about getting the word out there through awesome platforms like this helping women find ways that they can experience joy with food in their body and thrive in life. That's wonderful. And we're really all about finding that joy when it comes to food. We love to tackle serious issues, but of course, at, at the end of the day, we want to find that light at the end of the tunnel. That's like, you can live in your body, you can be happy, you can be successful, and you can own all of the things that you have in a way that really helps you live your best life. Yes. And what about you, Petrilli? So I um, claim myself as kind of a newbie to the movement, right? I've been in the body positivity community, um, the fat activism community, and the health at every size community just for a couple of years. Uh, prior to that, um, I was telling you, Atara, earlier that I was referred to as the food police by, <laughs> by uh, my colleagues um, in the nutrition and public health world here in DC. And I am definitely a recovering diet culture enthusiast. Um, I come from a large Puerto Rican family, so food is really uh, embedded with identity, I think, uh, when it comes to um, our culture. And while food was used as a way to celebrate, right, it was also used as a way for me, as a way to cope with trauma and pain that um, 
happened when I was younger. So um, I can say I've been on diets for most of my life. When I'm at first diet, when I was 11 to 12, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, really struggled with dieting and it developed into an eating disorder in my late teens. Um, and so it's something that I've struggled with. And uh, in the work that I do, um, I really became... Well, I started out in the culinary world, right? So after high school, while, while I was in, in the throes of my eating disorder, I kind of went like the complete opposite, and I started working in the restaurant industry where I was surrounded by food. And and uh, it's just so interesting because it's food is used as a way of control in my life, whether it's on one end of the spectrum or the other end of the spectrum. So my involvement in the culinary industry um, took another turn when I got involved in nutrition, right? And I was really um, wrapped up in this sense of health and food and size and um, diet culture. And um, while in the midst of all that, really having uh, a very complicated and harmful relationship with my own body and my own health and my own relationship with food. So uh, it was used as a way, um, not necessarily like to cover up, but um, I feel like a lot of people in this field, in the field of, of uh, in, in, in the field of nutrition also struggle with this as well. Um, so uh, after discovering the body top, the body positivity movement and intuitive eating movement in 2017, my first exposure to it, because I was really interested in kind of learning about other aspects of nutrition. Um, so I started randomly listening to this podcast. Um, her name's Christy Harrison. She does Food Psych. Uh, and it just introduced me to this whole other way of thinking um, that really opened the door to a lot of my internal struggles. And because of that podcast, it took about 10 or 11 months, um, I was finally able to receive treatment for my eating disorder. And um, I think one of the things that kind of kept me and the rest of my peers um, from confronting this eating disorder was that I'm in a larger body, right? So uh, having an eating disorder and being in a larger body um, is something that as a society, I think we still grapple with. Um, so I've been in recovery for nearly a year now, um, and I'm using this momentum from my recovery as well as my uh, newfound passion and the knowledge that I'm, that I'm gaining from the fat positivity, positivity movement um, to inform the rest of my community and inform the rest of my work, especially when it comes to children and body image and um, disorder relationships with food. So, Yeah. I mean, I, first of all, congratulations on that journey. Um, and, you know, I think you have a really interesting perspective of being a healthcare practitioner, mm -hmm. a nutritionist. You have a really interesting perspective on the, you know, kind of disconnect between our bodies and health and mm -hmm. how sometimes it doesn't align the way we think. And there are a lot of myths around that, too. Or the way that we've been conditioned to. I think it's, um, it's very intentional um, that size and health um, have been kind of lumped into the same bucket. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I think it really stems from um, a lot of systemic issues, you know, the way that we like to demonize fat and more so the way that we like to demonize fat in women. Right. Um, so it's all very intentional. And it really, at the end of the day, it really has nothing to do with health, but right. they end up in the same conversation anyway. <laughs> yeah. And we'll, we'll talk more about health specifically in just a minute, but just uh, zooming out a bit for 
our listeners who may not know about this movement, about this field, I wanted to just talk a little bit about definitions and how we're framing each of these terms. Um, so can you tell us what fat positivity is and how that differs from body positivity as well as self-love? Um, so I can talk a little bit about uh, what the fat positivity or fat activism movement means to me. A very simple definition for me is that um, the fat positivity movement, the fat activism movement, um, very similar to other types of intersectional movements, it aims to dismantle the systemic, the institutional, the social discrimination um, that occurs in people living in fat bodies. Excuse me. Um, I feel like diet culture, as it stems from either white supremacy or as it stems from the patriarchy, um, doesn't only harm people that live in fat bodies, but it really harms all of us. Um, and by 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 and by demonizing fat the way we do, and by um, basically having the societal norm that says that in order for women to be valued, um, we have to be living in small bodies, um, we are destroying the emotional, mental, and physical health of women everywhere. Um, Discrimination against large bodies is real. Weight stigma in all facets of our life is real. And in my work, right, um, it's super prevalent in the healthcare setting. Um, More specifically, it's super prevalent and very harmful in the way that we're raising our children. Uh, Weight stigma in schools, uh, it starts from a very, very young age, um, can have very detrimental impact as they age. Um, So I think that it's important to recognize that this is something that affects all of us. Right. And body positivity is slightly more broad and all-encompassing. So, Ivy, can you tell us what the body positivity movement is? Exactly as you said, body positivity is a more broad movement that includes anyone, pretty much male, female, all body shape, sizes, everything. Um, whereas fat acceptance, if you compare and contrast, focuses specifically on fat bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, in in the work that I do in fat acceptance, I actually work with, particularly with fat women, helping them deal with the trauma and um, the self-esteem and confidence and pain and all those things that they've accumulated over time because of fat discrimination, fat shaming, all of those things. So when you think about fat acceptance and body positivity, um, just as Patricia said, it's not just um, dismantling the system, you also have to go in and sort of treat people who have been harmed by the system, Mm -hmm. right? So we can change the system, but you have a a whole lot of carnage sort of left over because there's this whole war on fat bodies. And just like she said, it doesn't just harm fat people, it harms all of us, as we know, because there's so much fear of fat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even when you say the word fat, people immediately, you know, have this negative feeling in their body, um, these negative emotions and energy just around the word fat. So, you know, even as me being a a woman who claims fat, I embrace the word fat. When I say that, people automatically (laughs) feel uncomfortable. So fat acceptance acceptance is about sort of neutralizing that, right? And getting to the point where um, we can begin to see fat as a, a neutral word. It doesn't have to be negative or positive. It just is. Right. Yeah. And body positivity specifically is, is inherently a more intersectional idea, exactly. right? So it's, it's the theory that um, a woman, a black woman who is fat has a much different experience than a white woman who is fat or mm-hmm. a white woman who is 
differently abled, for right. example. Right. Um, so you can infuse the body positivity theories and ethics as you're thinking about fat acceptance too, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And I think it's important to know with the body positivity movement, uh, because it does include um, trans bodies, it does include queer bodies, it does include um, bodies of different abilities, mm-hmm. right? The intention of the body positivity and the fat acceptance movement is not to stop or shame a person from changing their body if they want to. Um, what it is, it's it's to put a pause and get them to think about um, the reason that they're modifying their bodies. Are they doing it, their body, their weight, are they changing their body at the expense of their physical and emotional health in order to re- remain part of the status quo, right? Which is... Um, Sorry, which is um, very dominated by patriarchal beauty standards and diet culture. Right. So um, the point of this is like, is not to stop or shame somebody that isn't fat or isn't body positive, right? Or someone if they want to change something about their bodies, but what is the intention behind it? Right. Mm-hmm. If, for example, someone is like trying to change their body to be smaller because like they want to take up less space and like mm-hmm. a you know, male-dominated society, for example, that's like, yeah, Ivy. Yeah, um, I also want to bring up when I, I've actually sort of moved away from the terminology body positive because unfortunately it's been watered down Mm -hmm. by a lot of mainstream media. Um, It's being used to market Mm -hmm. women again. (laughs) Um, And I found that a lot of women that I've worked with have um, felt that they have the same pressure to be body positive that they had to be skinny, mm-hmm. right? So it's yeah. this whole thing of I have to love my body, um, I have to feel good about the, my body, and they don't. So then they feel this anxiety around, well, what if I don't like my body? Yeah. So I found that it was actually more helpful in sort of moving away from this pressure to be positive about the body and just um, actually embracing more body peace, which is sort of a, a neutrality, again, which is what acceptance is. Yeah. And a lot of the movement, a lot of um, activists in the body positive community have moved away from the word Mm -hmm. and the terminology body positive, and they're moving more into body acceptance or fat acceptance. Mm -hmm. Um, Because when you can get to the space of fat acceptance and you don't have this fear of fat, just as Patricia said, you can, that benefits everybody. Mm -hmm. No matter what size you Mm -hmm. are, that benefits all bodies. For sure. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's talk about the word fat a little bit. Um, you know, I've been really inspired by the fact that this word has been used as a symbol of reclamation and a, a statement that all bodies deserve respect. Um, but people are still hesitant to use it and call themselves fat. Um, so, and there's a very visceral reaction, I think, to that word, like you said, Ivy. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about the word fat? Can I just say it like 10 times just to like <laughs> yeah, inoculate people? Fat, 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 fat. Okay. <laughs> and now people are really feeling that visceral reaction yeah. now. <laughs> so let's work with that. <laughs> well, I do think it's interesting because, you know, there, there are some women who might be listening to this podcast who don't identify as fat. Yeah. And at the same time, no matter what size they are, they don't feel good in their bodies and, you know, feel very triggered by that word. So what would you say to someone like that? How, how can they begin to get past that reaction? Um, I would hop in on that question and say, first of all, there is a difference between um, how you perceive yourself and how society perceives you, right? So um, there are people who sort of, as you say, um, 
they don't like the word fat or maybe they think of themselves as fat. But just as we were talking about the systemic oppression, if you are identified by society as fat, you are treated differently. Whereas there are people who are not necessarily visibly fat, even though they may struggle with their relationship with their body or body image, and they don't necessarily experience the same level of oppression or discrimination. So there's definitely a difference between your lived experience and your feelings about your body and how society actually perceives you when you think about the word fat. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So it's about like experiences and, you know, whether you have faced that discrimination, like you're saying. Yes, because a woman who navigates, if um, a woman who navigates the world in a larger body or in a body that society sees as fat is going to face the the health discrimination or discrimination by doctors or Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to employment, right, Uh employment, the workplace, things like that. Um, Whereas a woman who is in a thinner body might not be happy with her body, but she's not going to get the same level of oppression. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I, I have a very specific experience that I think a lot of women can relate to. And mm-hmm. I'm a, a straight sized woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I've had the experience of being in a room with friends who are smaller than me complaining about feeling and being fat. Mm-hmm. So what would you say? And we're going to talk a little bit more about this at the end of the show. But what would you say to women who have friends who are lar- have larger bodies mm-hmm. and wanting to protect them, respect them and just create a safe environment for them? Well, I think when we really get down to the root of the word, right, the word fat is a descriptor, right? But as a society, and because we're surrounded by diet culture and Mm -hmm. this fear, we have put this intrinsic value on a word, right? And that's been done, I think, especially words describing women, that has been done forever as a way to oppress us. Um, Words that have this value as a descriptor or as a noun or as a body part have been put in this negative kind of connotation because it's a way to devalue us. So when we think of the word fat, really you talked about reclaiming it and just going back to the root of what it is. It, It is a descriptor, it has no value in terms of how we are as a person. But because we have internalized that, when we say, oh my gosh, I feel fat, that's another way of saying, I feel less of value. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important to recognize that. Recognize that this isn't the first word that's been attributed to that. There's been other words um, that have carried the same weight, right? And I think the part of the feminist movement has been taking these words and just either reclaiming them in a positive light or bringing them back to the neutral space, mm-hmm. which is what the word fat is. It's, it's, I mean, you can claim it as like positive, but like really what it is, there's, there's just like you describe colors, right? Like is the color red any more valuable than the color green? Like these are descriptors, right? right. Um, so just bringing it back to that space and saying that um, just because you have fat or you are fat, it, 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 it really doesn't change your value as a person. Right. And I definitely want to make sure that we don't trivialize the pain of people who do grapple with the word fat and who still struggle. Oh, um, still struggle. Because of the, yeah. oh. um, because of the systems that we've been talking about and the oppression and, and the way that fat has been portrayed for centuries, you know, and even now how it's portrayed in media and um, how women have been demonized by the word, it does have an attachment to a lot of pain for mm-hmm. a lot of women. Mm-hmm. And so um, 
you know, if you are listening to the broadcast and you say, well, okay, I still am not comfortable with the word fat or mm-hmm. it's hard for me to embrace it. Um, I don't want to trivialize your pain. It makes sense. Yeah. It takes right. a long time to sort of heal from that and neutralize mm-hmm. it. But just as, um, the question that you asked Atar, I think it is um, continuing to talk about it, um, creating spaces just like this where we can talk about the pain, talk about how it got there. Like, h- mm-hmm. how did we get to this point? Mm-hmm. So that yeah. when we have that understanding, we can sort of start to break down the system. And we can realize, just like you were saying, Patrilla, that it's a, uh, it's a neutralized word. Yeah. We don't have to put all this power behind it. Um, but again, acknowledging that there's still a lot of, of pain because it's a very <laughs> um, uh, unique system that's been put into place to make sure that we do experience pain around the word. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're still working on it. I'm still yeah. working on it like how many times in our lives have we as an insult a guy has called us fat Mm -hmm. and has brought us to the verge of tears Mm -hmm. like if a guy walked up to me and called me fat right now it probably would be a little less but because the message is so internalized to what it means in a larger scale um it's it's there's still a lot of work to do yeah right um so we all still struggle with it. And mm-hmm. I think it's a way for us to kind of come together and just dis. So I think like dismantling the word first, mm-hmm. right. Can start the healing, but it doesn't mean at all that, um, we should be healed already. Mm-hmm. For sure. And you were saying Petrilli that like the word fat is used as a way to devalue women. Yeah. And I think it, you know, it's kind of like fat is synonymous with bad. Yeah. And yeah, we've absolutely. seen like across, I mean, there's no shortage of examples across media that, you know, the, the fat person was the evil person. And there's just this like very, uh, conscious and subconscious associations that we have with, the word fat and the idea of fat too. Mm-hmm. And there are systems that thrive off of that, right? Like the diet, right, <laughs> the right. diet industry itself thrives mm-hmm. off of the demonization of the word fat or the idea of fat. Everyone yeah. wants to escape it, run from it. So, you know, billions of dollars are spent in order to avoid fatness. So it would make sense that when we think about fat, we immediately think of things, of negative things. Um, so yeah. It's, yeah, it's not just by happenstance. <laughs> right. Well, that leads us to our next uh, kind of topic, which is about health. And I think that there is there, there's so many myths out there about how our bodies should look as it relates to our own health. Um, there are so many myths about small bodies and how that is the epitome of health when that may not be the case. Um, so I want to talk specifically about wellness. Um, you know, wellness is like a, a very big kind of cultural movement now, especially with women. Um, can you guys talk about how wellness uh, can sometimes lead to unhealthy perspectives about our bodies and the bodies of others too? Yeah, wellness. Oh, such a loaded <laughs> word. And I think it's so funny because um, part of my title in my job includes the word wellness, and I kind of like grit my teeth every time I have to say it. Um, uh, again, like wellness is one of those words kind of like fat where it has kind of this neutral meaning, but we have as a society, this is my anthropology hat I'm going to put on. Um, we have layered these meanings and this values and like these values onto the word. So I think as a whole, um, American society is getting hip to that the word diet and diets and dieting, um, 
is not as helpful as we once thought it was. And so you see the medical community embracing it. Um, and I think it's gone mainstream. And so um, the dieting industry took a little bit of a hit because they were named that. So what did they do? Um, I really think they just replaced it with the word wellness. And <laughs> and you have to be really, really careful because that wasn't the intention. Um, that's, that's not the true definition of wellness, but it's been co-opted, right? right. Uh, by the diet industry, by um, the patriarchy even, um, as a substitute because women are getting smarter <laughs> about this. Um, I think that you have to be really careful uh, growing up and in my career, you know, in nutrition and, and, and as well as public health, um, in school, you know, they would talk about diets, but they would also say that, okay, like they're not really sustainable. It's, it's a lifestyle, right? It's a adopt a wellness lifestyle. So what happened in my personal experience was that I took wellness and I just became obsessed with that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the, the term wellness for me, um, the way that it's portrayed in kind of the mainstream marketing, right? You have this like thin and pretty white woman in, in, in like yoga pants, drinking her green smoothie, right? And so when that is a picture of wellness, to me, like I will do whatever I can with very harmful practices and trying to achieve that ideal. So um, whether that means like what they say, like eating clean, eat all organic, um, eating hyper local, you know, like this type of fixation, while it doesn't um, outrightly tout weight loss, like you still have a very um, distinct image of what that uh, kind of final product should be. And a lot of the times for me of what I saw everywhere, it was white, it was thin and it was good looking. Um, and for all of you listening, just Google search wellness woman and you will see what Petrilli is talking <laughs> oh, about. Really? They're like, literally, literally like Sweet. women on the like white yes. skinny women oh, on the beach yeah, yeah. is what or like I'm woman seeing. eating a salad <laughs> and she's like laughing yeah. or like, you know, um, so right. really it was a misrepresentation. It was really harmful. Uh, I, I think it's harmful for women of color. Um, I think it's harmful for um women from different cultures, you know, like I'm Latina as a way to assimilate, you know, not really feeling like I'm from my parents' country, not really feeling like I'm here. So I aspire to the white ideal as a way to fit in. Um, it's, it, it's the wellness culture. I mean, there could be some aspects of it that are great and are authentic, but for the most part, you know, you really have to be careful because it's just another way to dive into disordered eating practices and other practices that um, restrict and um, are meant to control your weight, which is not what the fat acceptance or body positivity movement is about at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, more broadly, um, I would say maybe like the, the um, you know, the ideals that, that you talk about a lot, which I think are really interesting, is the idea of uh, health at every size. Mm -hmm. Can you explain what that is and what that idea means? Yeah, so I was introduced to health at every size um, after I started learning about body positivity and the fat acceptance movement. And I think a common misconception is is that the fat acceptance movement and health at every size are the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, they really are not. Um, the health at every size might be like kind of like a subcategory for people that are interested in that. But um, 
and this happens more and more. And I think that I, because I still do carry some like healthist type of biases, right? Because of the work that I do and like what I've been conditioned in where fatness and health have to occur in the same conversation. Mm. Um, they, 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 they really don't. They really don't. Um, people living in large bodies um, have a lot of social and um, other types of like mental impacts that are outside of the health setting that I think we need to address. Um, Virgie Tovar does an amazing job with this. She approaches uh, fat acceptance from more a sociological standpoint. And it's funny because she says that people ask her all these health questions and like, she's like, I'm not versed in public health. Like, why, like, why are you talking to me about this? But it's just us as a society, right? We equate fatness with state of health. Yeah. And that's really not, and that's really not the case at all. Like, Fatness and body size as a determinant of health is at the best misguided, right? At its worst, very dangerous and deadly for the health of people living in larger bodies and smaller bodies. Um, what we believe about health and body size is very inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Um, someone that reads tons of research on this. Um, I, I was obsessed with... Uh, can I say the word Ivy? <laughs> so like, we're not going to say it, but we're just going to say the it's O a word. Tri- triggering word. For yes. A lot of people. So what, we're going to say the O word, mm-hmm. um, but that is a parenthesis for obesity, but I'm just going to say the O word. Um, obsessed with uh, how that's impacting um, like American society is large in terms of healthcare costs. And like what I'm finding is that more and more, the more studies we do, there's really no correlation. Like, Skinny bodies can be healthy. Skinny bodies can be unhealthy. People living in larger bodies can be healthy. People in larger bodies can be unhealthy. Um, So what happens when we remove weight and body size from the equation, um, it turns out that it's not the O word, but it's actually things like weight stigma and weight discrimination and um, access to health care that are actually... um, affecting the health outcomes of people Mm. and bodies rather than weight. Like workplace discrimination, which leads to a lower socioeconomic Mm -hmm. class, Mm -hmm. which leads to less Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like, that's very possible. Um, the, The way that people in large bodies are treated when they walk into a doctor's office, um, they say 85% of people living in larger bodies are afraid to go to their healthcare practitioner because they'll walk in and their arms yeah. like broken in half and then the doctor will be like, oh, if you lose weight, it'll go away. Like, right. that, like, like that doesn't make any sense. Right? And Ivy, I wanted to actually ask you about that since you referenced it earlier. Um, how do people living in larger bodies, uh, you know, experience being at the doctor differently and how is that dangerous to what Petrilli just alluded to? Sure. Um, well, I'd like to sort of preface that by saying when, when we're sort of talking about this um, oppressive sort of wellness, <laughs> um, that it is about exclusion, right? It's about shame and it's about power, right? So if I can say that there's a certain ideal body type that is, you know, better or more worthy than the, than the other, um, then you have an exclusion and you can leave out a complete um, section of the of society, and then you have the rest. The people who are excluded are just as uh, Patricia was saying, are constantly trying to get to that level of acceptance. So, 
when when we go as a person of uh, I've always been in a larger body even as a child right so um, my experience and even the experience of women in in my community that I talk to that are in larger bodies is just like she was saying you know you go into um, the doctor and the first thing they treat is your fatness and they treat fatness as if fatness is problematic Mm -hmm. and so because fatness right (laughs) because fatness is problematic then they stop there so so many women who are or people who are in um, larger bodies are not getting the treatment that they need Mm -hmm. because the doctors are not doing extensive research and testing and treatment because they're only focused on weight loss and Mm -hmm. fatness so um what happens is women who are in larger bodies do avoid going to the doctors, whether it's because they've experienced trauma because of fat phobia or fat shaming, or whether they already have their own fear because of what they heard from other people. Um, so then what you have is a whole group of people who are avoiding the doctors and then they're not getting the treatment that they need. And then they do have health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sort of like this self-fulfilling prophecy with, yep. oh, well, people in larger bodies have poor health. Yes, because they don't go to the doctor, not all the time, but sometimes it's because they're avoiding the doctors or they're not getting proper treatment or they're avoiding wellness altogether, which is where... I come in because I do believe that we can reclaim wellness, which is the work that I do, as I said, with weight neutral wellness. I believe that wellness belongs to everyone. We all have the right to nourish and care for our bodies without that um, being rooted in thinness. Right. Mm-hmm. We have the right to figure out what foods nourish us, um, figure out what what uh, body movement we enjoy. Mm-hmm. And also wellness, <laughs> most of the time, is regarded as only being something physical. Wellness is mental, emotional, physical and spiritual. So most of the time when people talk about wellness, they're only talking about what are you eating and are you exercising? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they're not talking about your um, mental wellness, mm-hmm. your social well-being. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, the dieting and that super stress around Mm -hmm. fatness is actually causing um, mental uh, illness or uh, emotional illness or it's affecting your mental or emotional well-being because of the fact that you're only focusing on one part of wellness, right? Whereas wellness is holistic Mm -hmm. and and we haven't been taught that mostly in society. For sure. And we we obviously have a long way to go, Mm -hmm. but we feel very grateful that we can have this as a conversation starter. I think it will really open a lot of eyes, um, especially in the pineapple community. And so looking ahead, what what are some things that we can do as women to accept and love ourselves as well as other bodies around us? I think that goes back to what I was saying earlier about um, introducing women to the concept of body peace, right? So sort of taking away this pressure, you don't have to love your body. Most women don't even know that because now it's like, okay, first we have to be perfect and skinny and beautiful. (laughs) And then we get into body positivity where it's like, okay, now I have to love myself too. And maybe you don't, maybe you don't love your tummy. Maybe you don't like your nose or maybe, you know, that's okay. There's no pressure to feel awesome about your body all the time. Um, But I think introducing women just to the option Mm -hmm. of you can just accept yourself. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be trying to change yourself or constantly make yourself better. Um, If you want to, that's fine too. That's an option. But 
you can tune out these external messages that say that you have to be something other than who you are. And if you do choose to do that, it's, it's by your choice. I love that. That yeah. is really powerful. Yeah. What about you, Petrilli? Oh Gosh, this is something I'm, 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 I still grapple with a lot. You know, it's, um, I think this is, this is a really hard piece for me because as someone that is still in recovery from an eating disorder and is still entrenched because I still do work in the nutrition and like public health um, fields, like it's something I have to wake up every day and saying, and say like, I'm not going to let that influence the way I feel about myself. Um, Something that has helped me a lot um, is, is, is surrounding yourself with resources and people Mm -hmm. and images uh, that support fat positivity and fat activism and um that's been incredible helpful for me like one of the first things I did was that I went on my Instagram and I got rid of I unfollowed a whole bunch of people that I think the purge yes (laughs) um that were promoting uh harmful diet culture practices um and and I think that's really been a great step because when and you see this like in children, right? When you're surrounded by a certain kind of image, when you're surrounded by, because it's all marketing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you're surrounded by um, images and forums and channels that support you um, the way you are, right? You are able to accept yourself. It's mm-hmm. all about representation. And, and that's not just with fat positivity. It's, it's um with uh, diversity, right, in, in having more diverse images um, in media and other channels. Um, and I think all of that leads to self-acceptance and um, being able to, to celebrate things that are different as well. Absolutely. And Petrilli, I think you brought up a really good point about the fact that it's not I say this all the time, it's not a destination, right? We don't get to a point where it's like, okay, I'm great with my body. And then the rest of your life, you're always great with your body. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have yeah. days, it doesn't matter. I say this all the time, whether you're an activist or you're a person who does this work all the time, or you consider yourself to be an expert in body image and body positivity, you still wake up sometimes and you're not having a day where you're really feeling the best in your body. Mm-hmm. Or you might have a moment where it comes up, mm-hmm. but it's more about, um, gathering the tools to navigate those times when you do ha- have that discomfort in your body oh, yeah. or you feel uncomfortable or you don't feel at home in your body. Mm-hmm. And those tools do come from, just like you said, creating that community around you of people who have the resources or people who are um, fat positive or body positive or people who do practice body acceptance around you. So when you do face those moments, you know where to look. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. For me personally also, you know, I've, I've definitely been on a journey and it's like you're saying Ivy where it's like I don't have a destination in mind but I'm just trying to get better and better every day yeah the way that I've been trying to view it is like first focus on what's happening externally like think about what you're saying to your friends Mm -hmm. and what you're saying out loud are you looking at a woman walking down the street and then you say to your friend she has a great body Mm. and like what are what are you uh kind of externalizing and then from there, trying to internalize mm-hmm. that idea as well mm-hmm. and thinking about how you're looking at yourself as a result. Yes. I say the same thing all the time. Yes. <laughs> when yes. you're saying, I'm like, yes. <laughs> okay. We have one more question. My last question for you is, I, I'm assuming that we're going to have uh, at least a number of women who don't identify as fat listening to this show. How can we all be better allies to women who are living in marginalized bodies? 
Um, I think one of the greatest things actually came from um, the body image therapist, and I posted it on it on my Instagram. And I think this can apply to um, a lot of internalized biases. We have about different groups of people, um, but when it comes to people living in larger bodies, and let's say you see one, um, and your reaction, you know, because we all make judgments in our heads about different groups of people, but I think it's important uh, to be an ally um, is to stop, right? And ask yourself why their body size is important to you, right? Mm. So you look at somebody and you ask, why is the size of their body invoking a reaction, right? And a lot of people, so many people come to, well, I'm just concerned about their health, right? That's why, I just, I'm just concerned. Um, so if you reach that point, or if you reach another point, the second thing you want to do is become aware of this thought, right? And you want to use uh, either some of the tools that we provided today or like some of the thoughts to unpack that, mm-hmm. right? When it comes to weight bias and prejudice. Um, and I think by becoming conscious every time you have an interaction or every time you have a thought, and by constantly doing those two things, stop, think about why it matters to you, and two, recognize your privilege also right. and address your bias and prejudice. Um, and you'll really start to kind of pull back the layers and see like, wow, this isn't, this is something way bigger than what I thought it was. This is something um, that's really institutionalized and it's harming a lot of people. So I think that's the way we can move forward. It's a really mindful approach. Ivy, do you have any tools? Um, I would say, first of all, recognize how are you perpetuating some of the systems that we've talked about that are oppressive to people in marginalized bodies. And the second thing I would say is also realizing that you can't tell anything about a person by looking at their body, Mm -hmm. period. (laughs) Um, You know, we've been conditioned otherwise. Oh, when you see a person, whatever their color, their size, their gender, you make all of these assumptions because we've been socialized that way. We sort of have this code. But if you can sort of throw away the code and just when you see a person or you meet a person, treat the person as a person. Don't treat them as their body or their size or their gender or their race or anything. Treat them as a person and anything that you want to know about them, um, give space for them to share their experiences and their life story with you. Don't make assumptions about what their story is or what's going on with them. Let them tell you that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, we do that from a space of respect and honor because, you know, not everyone is comfortable in opening up and sharing. So Mm -hmm. honoring that as well. Absolutely. Um, And the third thing I would say is uh, think about how the way you feel about your body, you're sort of projecting that to people um, around you. So a lot of times people who have negative body image or who have um, certain perspectives about their own body, they don't realize it that they project it onto other people. So when you look at another person, you might assume negative things about them because you don't really feel so great about yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, When you do the work with your own body relationship, you'll find that you become so much more accepting and loving and compassionate and embracing of all different types of people because you've learned to give that compassion to yourself. But you really can't give that compassion to other people unless you give it to yourself first. Right. Yeah. That's really powerful, the empathy. Um, and I want to thank each of you so much for just like 
encouraging this like very rich conversation that I was telling Patrilli earlier we could easily have an entire podcast <laughs> dedicated to this subject yeah, and there are yeah. many out there by mm-hmm. the way um, but this is a really great starting point and we'll be diving in more uh, through events and our content digitally at Pineapple so great. thank you for being here thank you thanks what we're going to do next is we're going to do a little spitfire round. Um, it's going to just be a little five-minute combo to get to know our guests a little bit more. So if you could try to keep your answers on the short side. Um, and then, yeah, and then we will be signing off. So the first question is a woman you pine for. And pine for is our idea that admiring another woman or business or organization or idea creates community. So a woman you pine for in food, Petrilli, you're up first. Um, so I'm going old school. Um, one of my first um, in- encounters with somebody in food, a woman in food, that I really think embraced uh, body positivity was, it is uh, still, uh, is Nigella Lawson. Ah. Um, she, I, I just remember growing up and just seeing interviews with her of how she like really had this beautiful relationship with food. She was amazing chef and like men would tell her comment about her body and like, she really didn't give a crap. Like she really lived authentically and really celebrated her relationship with food. And I think in a really great way. So, um, yeah, I love her. She's great. I love her too. What about you? So I'm going to really make this personal. And when I read this, I, it automatically came to mind. And I would actually say my grandmother. And that's because um, when I was going to Institute for Integrative Nutrition, we talked about food energetics. And she was the first person I thought about of how your food can actually um, carry positive inner and healing energy. And she, um, although as growing up as a larger body child and being bullied and my food restriction and all of that, her table is the place I can remember feeling joy around food and she never judged me it was always eat all you want enjoy yourself and so I I look at her as sort of an inspiration of how I want my relationship with food to be I want to enjoy the food and I want the food that I cook to be healing for others I love that that is totally the pineapple philosophy around food that even if you know maybe we have complicated feelings around it that ultimately it should be a source of joy for us and a connector yeah um, okay, for the next question, your favorite woman-made food product. Ivy, we'll start with you first. <laughs> um, so what came to mind for me was a local um, food place uh, by Emma Sheck, which is um, Happy Tart. And it's um, a gluten-free uh, restaurant here because I have to eat gluten-free because of um, food intolerances. But I love her space because I can eat anything there. <laughs> And it's delicious, and she pretty much makes, hand makes everything there. So that would be my choice. Awesome. So DC folks, check out Happy Tart. Yes, the Happy Tart Bakery. Awesome. And what about you, Petrilli? Uh So in this space, I'm actually going to give a shout out to my mom. So I come from a long line of cooks. So my mother is the youngest of 17. She has um, 11, 10 sisters. And so they're all amazing cooks. My grandmother's amazing cook. Uh, So my mother recently started a side gig uh, making Puerto Rican dishes for her community. And so um, her kind of like claim to fame is something called pasteles, which are, uh, I I call them like Puerto Rican tamales. Um, Instead of masa, it's made with like um, 
it's made with a plantain and then it's wrapped in a banana leaf and mm. we eat it a lot for Christmas or anytime during the year. So she makes like 2000 at a time and ships wow. them. Um, so, so she's back in St. Louis and she's like known as like the lady to go to if you want pasteles in the region, but, um, she ships guys. So what, what's the name her? of her business? So she doesn't have a business right now, but if you want to, or like a business name, but if you want to reach out to me, um, she's in the process of doing that. Her name's Leslie. She's my mom. I love her. <laughs> Leslie. She's an amazing cook. Awesome. <laughs> and they're steamed, right? Uh, yeah. 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 So you steam them and you boil them and, and, um, yeah, she's like perfected uh, the art. She's amazing. Delicious. So reach out to Petrilli if you want some pasteles. For Christmas, it's coming. Sounds delicious. Awesome. Um, okay, next question is uh, most in, the most inspiring resource that you have leaned on on uh, body positivity. So it could be a podcast, article, book, or just idea or woman or anything. My inspiration and hero is Virgie Tovar. <laughs> um, she did that. You mentioned her earlier. Yeah, right? yeah. She's, she's just everything. How do you spell her name? V I R. G-I-E-T-O-V-A-R. Oh, she's incredible. Um, she just breaks down. Just, uh, just look her up. Virgin <laughs> Tavar. She's, yes. she's amazing. She's everything. Um, I would go along those lines. One of the greats, right? Uh, Sonia, Ren- Sonia Renee Taylor. Yes. Uh, responsible for The Body is Not an Apology. Mm-hmm. Like, even just saying Ooh. her name gives me, like, goosebumps. Mm-hmm. Um, so she has a book, but she also has a website that's just, like, a resource portal for so many intersectional issues, not just fat activism. Um, it's, it's, it's so incredible. Just Google it, look her up. She's, she's incredible. I love her. Awesome. And I've, I've spoken about this podcast before, but my, uh, where I learned about body positivity uh, is this amazing podcast called She's All Fat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it so much. It's fun and joyful and really educational, too. Absolutely. Um, and also the article that you posted, Petrilli, I don't know who wrote it, but it was in the Huffington Post, mm-hmm. all about the myths that we have just like accepted blindly about the O word, mm-hmm. obesity. Um, who wrote that article again? Um, you know what? I'm not entirely sure who wrote the article, but she um, drew a lot of research from Linda Bacon, mm-hmm. which is the writer of Health at Every Size. Um, so if you're interested at the debunking of the myths between um, size and health status, uh, she would be a great place to start. Yeah. Um, the article is called Everything You Know About Obesity is Wrong, mm-hmm. and it's by Michael Hobbs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Awesome. Okay, last question is, where can our audience find you two? You both are so inspiring, and I know everyone is going to want to follow you on your respective platforms. Ivy? Um, I spend most of my social media time (laughs) on Instagram, which is I am Ivy Felicia, F-E-L-I-C-I-A, on Instagram. And you can also find me on my website, which is me, mybodyandlove.com. You can find everything else you need there. Beautiful. What about you, Petrelli? Um, so I don't have as wonderful a social media presence and social media savvy as Ivy is. She's like someone <laughs> She's I so retweet <laughs> and I regram Thank all the you. time because her because her original content is just amazing. Yeah. Uh, but if you want to follow me on Instagram, um, I do have an Instagram where I do a lot of regrams and share some personal content. You can just find me at Petrilli H, right? So that's my Instagram account. Um, and then I have a small community uh, where I work with families mostly. Um, 
mothers um, and it's called oh it's on Facebook and it's called Project Mind Body Love it's self care and body acceptance for women and girls and you can look that up on Facebook at Project Mind Body Love um, it's a great way to find the resources and you can connect with me on any questions you have beautiful thank you all again for joining us I'm your host Atara you've been listening to Pineapple Radio we are broadcasting from the line hotel every friday or every other friday and you can find pineapple at pineapple collaborative on instagram pineapplecollaborative.com leave us uh comments send us dms please if you love this show uh leave uh, a review on your apple podcast and we'll shout you out in the next episode and thank you for listening we'll catch you next time